Good morning, City Light. My name's Chris, one of the pastors here. You can go ahead and be seated. Today, I am excited to be with you. Couldn't be more excited to be with you because today is more than just a day that we put on our flyest church clothes. Although some of you guys look good. I went to Men's Warehouse this week, picked up some threads. Today is more than that day, amen? Amen. Today is the day that we celebrate that Jesus Christ was a real man who really did live the perfect life, who really did die on a Roman cross, but who really did walk out of his own tomb with a sense of swagger, amen? Come on. That's right. On Friday, evil took a swing at Jesus. But on Sunday, this day, almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus defeated Satan, sin, and death once and for all, defeating the enemies of God. That's our Jesus. It's on a Friday that Jesus died on a cross and was laid in a tomb. But on Sunday, he was raised to life. And as Gavin said, he kicked open the door of his borrowed tomb. And if you're here today and you're wondering what all the excitement about is about, let me tell you, today is the day that over 2 billion people across the world will celebrate and worship that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is a death-crushing, Satan-stomping, victorious king that is still ruling and still reigning. People from every tribe, tongue, and nation will worship this Jesus. They will sing about this Jesus. They will celebrate this Jesus because Jesus has changed the world and Jesus has changed stories. City Light, that's what all the excitement is about today. Jesus Christ is the risen son of God, amen? He is Lord of Lords and he is King of Kings and he is ruling and reigning even in this day. So today I'm not here to talk to you, City Light about a dead man. Mm -mm. Not going to waste your time with that. Not here to talk to you about a religious system or some morals that you can live by or some, some principles that you can apply and hope that your life gets a little bit better. I'm here to talk to you about a risen man, a living man, a friend of sinners, a grave conquering man. His name is Jesus Christ. That's who we're going to talk about today. So we got some work to do. This morning, what I want to do is Open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 24, and I want to talk about not just what happened in this resurrection story, I want to talk about why is it still so significant for me and you 2,000 years later. Listen, the resurrection is the climax of the gospel story, and what we believe about the resurrection, it does matter. It absolutely matters. If Jesus healed people, if Jesus preached, if Jesus cared for the poor, if Jesus moved towards the outcast and he did all kinds of good things, but he died and he stayed dead, then church family, he's not worthy of your worship and you would be a fool to make him the Lord of your life. That's the truth. But if Jesus Christ did what he said he did, if Jesus actually loved the unlovable, if Jesus actually lived the perfect life, if Jesus actually died on that cross, and if Jesus actually rose from the grave, then you would be a fool not to wrestle with who is this Jesus Christ. Then you might not like his teachings, and you might not like everything he has to say about your life, but you need to wrestle with the reality that this is a risen Savior. And so today, I want to look at the claims that Jesus Christ said that he's God, And I want to look at what the Bible has to say about his resurrection. we got a lot of work to do. Open your Bibles, Luke chapter 24. We're going to be in verses 1 through 12 if you got them. Otherwise, you can follow along with me on the screen. 
This is Luke's eyewitness account of the resurrection. And this morning, I want to just walk us through this text. We'll pretty much go verse by verse. And I want to just drop an anchor in a few places, three places to be specific. And I just want to highlight a few truths that are packed into our scriptures this morning. So we're going to look at this reality that the resurrection talks about that there's an empty tomb. Then we're going to look at the reality that, that the empty tomb is really a promise fulfilled. Finally, we're going to look at how do we respond to an empty tomb. So I got three points. Come on. We got an empty tomb. We got a promise fulfilled. And we got a, a, a response that's modeled. Preacher's ready to preach. Let's get it. All right. Point one. Point one is we got an empty tomb. If you look at verse one, the first thing that you realize, there's a group of women on a Sunday morning who get up very early to go um, visit Jesus's dead body in the tomb. It says that they're going there to take care of him, to, to anoint his body. And these are women who love Jesus, know Jesus, and had followed Jesus for the majority of his public ministry. But this was a very dark day for these women. They had seen Jesus just a week earlier ride triumphantly into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey and have crowds cheer for him and celebrate him and praise him. Then they had seen this Jesus go through a mockery of a trial where he was falsely accused of crimes he didn't commit, where the innocent was convicted and the guilty was set, for, set free. And then they would have seen this Jesus, the Jesus that they loved, the Jesus that they trusted, the Jesus that they adored. They would have seen this Jesus be taken captive and be nailed to a Roman wooden cross, breathe his last breath, and be laid in this very tomb. So these women have a very simple expectation for their day. They're going to anoint Jesus' body with spices, and this was a common practice. Had two purposes. Take care of a dead body and help preserve it and help fight against the stench of decay. That was their expectation for the day. But in verse 2, it says that as they approached the tomb, they discovered that the stone that was covering the entrance of the tomb was rolled away. The tomb's entrance would have been covered by a large um, disc-shaped Um, heavy stone that would have been rolled in a channel in the ground. And as it got deeper into the channel, it would have got heavier and it would have been lodged and wedged against that channel. And so it would have been in place and incredibly hard to roll out of place. And these women know what we know, that stones don't just move themselves. So as they're approaching and they see that the stone is rolled away and the tomb is empty, they're curious. The light is coming up. They can see clearly. And so they peek in and they start to wander in and they're looking for Jesus, but Jesus isn't there. So they make this connection that this isn't just an open tomb, but this is an empty tomb. And in verse four, it says that these women are perplexed, which is the Bible's way of actually making a really nice statement because these women are incredibly confused. Okay. They have no idea what just happened. They're sitting here in front of an empty tomb looking for Jesus. He's not there. They got spices in their hands. They prepared for this moment. Now what do they do? And all of a sudden our text says there's two angels that show up and start having a conversation with them. Have you ever been at an empty tomb? Had a funeral that was canceled and angels start showing up and having a conversation with you? 
Probably not. If you did, email me. I want to hear about it. But I'm telling you, these women have never experienced this. This is bizarre. This is out of the norm. They weren't expecting this when they woke up that morning. And so let me show you what begins to play out. God begins to give these girls some clarity. So let me show you what the angel of the Lord has to say in verse 5 and verse 6. This is what he says to the ladies. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but he has risen. Listen, in other words, Jesus is alive. The angel is saying, ladies, what are you doing here? Dead people hang out with dead people. Living people hang out with living people. They don't mix. Why'd you go to hang out with the dead when you're looking for the living? Your Jesus isn't one of these. He's over here. He's alive. He is risen. That is good news. Listen, what God is doing to these women is he's absolutely shattering their expectations in this moment. He has reckoned their day in the best way possible. They thought that they would go to the tomb and serve Jesus. Instead, they're going to realize how Jesus Christ has served them. They went to the tomb expecting to find a dead and defeated Jesus. And soon they're going to encounter a risen, living, victorious Savior named Jesus Christ. They went to the tomb expecting that this tomb would be closed and this tomb would be full. And they realized that the tomb was open and the tomb was empty. God is shattering their expectations in this moment. And the empty tomb matters, church. The empty tomb mattered back then, and the empty tomb matters today because the empty tomb declares to us that our God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever imagine. That our God is powerful, that our God is able, that our God is able to bring life out of where there only appears to be death, that our God is able to bring light where there only appears to be darkness. That's our God. He's victorious. For me and you, the empty tomb means that Jesus is alive, church. And if Jesus is alive, that means that he's continually working in people's lives. And that means that in 2016, Jesus isn't just a historic figure that we study. Jesus isn't just a moral example for our kids. Jesus Christ is living, powerful, still saving, speaking, sustaining. Jesus Christ is still working and redeeming. He's still reconciling people back into himself. God is still in our midst, just like he was still alive back then. He's still alive right now. That's our Jesus. So in this story, we find a picture of our story. Because in this story, what God does is he shatters these women's expectations for him. They had small and shallow expectations in this day for how that day would go. And God absolutely wrecks their day in the best way possible. Has he ever done that in your life? Has your relationship with God been predictable and safe? Probably not. Not if it's worth having. It's been unpredictable. It's been improbable. God's done the impossible. Has he not? And that's what God does. I've seen this play out in my own life. I was 18 years old, had a full head of hair, real nice hairline. Really defined abs, about a four-pack for sure. Some days a six, rest in peace. Those days have come and gone. But on that day, I went to college, and uh, I was a freshman, small school called Wayne State. And uh, shout out, somebody likes Wayne State, Harvard of the Midwest, come on. Anyways, um, went to Wayne State, and, 
it was my first day, and um, the first day on campus, they kind of give these campus tours, and this guy named Ryan, this guy named Ryan, I engage with him and interact with him, but let me just explain to you where I was at when I went to college. When I went to college, I was expecting to just basically do high school all over again. I wanted to chase girls and play basketball and be the man. I wanted to like, I wanted to pursue my, myself. I wanted to pursue my own glory and I wanted to live out my greatest pleasure. And I, I wanted high school to be just a little bit bigger and a little bit wild, wilder and a little bit louder than high school had been. I had tried that in high school. It didn't satisfy, but for some reason I thought maybe in college it would. I had all kinds of bad expectations for what college would be. But let me just tell you how Jesus did the unexpected in my life, church. First day on campus, meet a guy named Ryan. Ryan's giving the campus tours. Ryan, you know, starts telling you, this is the science building. This is where you eat. This is the rec center, da-da-da. I'm kind of zoning out. I'm going through the motions of it. And finally, at the very end, this guy, Ryan, he stands flat-footed. He looks us, about six of us in the eyes, and we're all freshmen. He says, listen, I don't know why you guys are here. I don't know what your expectations for college are. But I can tell you, in my life, I have met a God in college that has changed my story. I met a God in college that has pursued me and loved me in spite of me. And I'm telling you, this God has changed my story, and he can change your story. If you want to know the story, I would love to tell you. Hashtag drop the mic. (laughs) First day, homeboys preaching right in the middle of the campus. It was incredible. What do you do with that? And there was part of me that I didn't expect that was saying, yes, that's genuine and that's life and that's real. You need to know that story. And the other part of me was like, no, you're going to become weird and like board games. Don't do it. (laughs) You know? But man... I said, yes. And I said, Ryan, tell me about that story. And he told me about Jesus Christ. And a few weeks later, I started hanging out with these guys and I saw how Jesus had changed their life. I saw how Jesus was real and he wasn't just a theory and he wasn't just a historic figure, but he was a God that was living in their life. He's changing them. So I placed my faith in that Jesus Christ who had risen and who had died for me. And I'm telling you, church, it changed my story. Instead of running to sin, I started running from sin. Instead of running from God, I started running to God. Jesus Christ wrote an unexpected story in my story. He did the unexpected, and he shattered my expectations of him and of what college would be. And church, doesn't he do that? Doesn't he do that? He did that for these women. I want to press this in because there's some of you here today that have really shallow, small expectations for your day. Let's just call it out. Some of you guys here today... You came to a religious service because somebody invited you to. You said, okay, I'll go. And then your greatest ambitions for this afternoon is that you'll eat ham with your extended family, okay? That's what you're excited about. That's where, that's, they're going to get ham and they're going to get the cheesy potatoes out today, y'all. It's about to get crazy, okay? That's your expectation. But I'm telling you, what if Jesus Christ has a greater, greater experience for you today? What if today you've been going through the religious motions and you've never bowed your knee to King Jesus and you've never said, I want a relationship with you and he's always just been a historic figure. He's always just been a myth. He's always just been something else, not your Lord and Savior. But today, he doesn't want to just give you a religious service. He wants to give you eternal life. What if today he doesn't just want to give you time with an extended family, but he wants to give you a whole new spiritual family? 
What if Jesus Christ wants to give you not just a joy in your circumstances, but a joy that's greater than your circumstances? I'm telling you, God could do that today. For others of you in this place, you're Christians, but you've been just going through the motions, and you had, the, you had an expectation you were going to put your Sunday best on, you were going to take a selfie with your family members, you were going to write, He is risen on Facebook, and you were going to be excited about everybody who was going to like your post. That's your expectation for today. That's fair. But what if Jesus Christ were to actually fan into flame the little sparks of faith that have grown cold in your heart? What if today you would worship Jesus Christ in a fresh way, in a real way, in a way that you haven't in a long time because Jesus would shatter your expectation for this day? I'm telling you, that's our God. That's Jesus Christ. That's what he did for these women, and that's what he does for us today. The empty tomb is a declaration that our God is not small, cute, predictable, He is victorious. He's Satan-defeating. He is powerful. He is living. He is active. He's saving, and he's speaking. Our Jesus Christ shatters our expectations for him because oftentimes they're far too small. Point one, we got an empty tomb. Point two, I want to show you guys how the empty tomb is a promise fulfilled. So let me jump back into our text. Um, Really, throughout all of Scripture, God has been making a promise to people. He's been, he's been saying, I'm going to be faithful to you even though you haven't been faithful to me. God has been saying all the way from Genesis when we first sinned against him, rejected God and said, God, I'd rather do it on my own. What God has been saying is I'm gonna send my own son, a savior who would be a substitute for you so that you could be brought back into right relationship with me. Jesus is saying, I am going to make a promise to a people and he is gonna be the one that fulfills that promise. And these women... These women move from chaos and confusion to clarity as they realize that they're part of a bigger story that God's written. They're part of watching a promise be fulfilled. So let me show you how this begins to play itself out. Let's read um, verse 5, part of verse 5 through verse 8. He says this, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you, while he was in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. Verse 8, and they remembered his words. The angel is saying to them, listen, the key to having clarity in the present is to remember Jesus' previous promise to you. The angel is saying, listen, remember Don't you remember how Jesus told you this very thing would happen? All the way back in Galilee. All the way back when you weren't in Jerusalem and the town wasn't crowded and the city wasn't loud and the chaos wasn't happening. Don't you remember all the way back, months back, how Jesus told you this very thing would happen? How Jesus told you he was going to be betrayed? How Jesus told you he was going to be executed? How Jesus told you he would rise from the grave on the third day? Don't you remember how Jesus promised that this day would not be the last day, that this day wouldn't be the end of the story, that Jesus was going to write a bigger story than that. Don't you remember? This is incredible because these women would have been remembering back to Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 18 where Jesus predicted his own death. Listen, there are military leaders and presidents. There's organizational CEOs. There are very powerful and very smart individuals in this world, but nobody... Nobody has ever predicted their own death and then walked out of their own tomb. Only Jesus Christ has done that. Only Jesus Christ. 
And we see this in this story. And so I just want to pull us into Bible study 101. I want to actually take us to Luke chapter 9, verse 22. And I want to show you how Jesus told these early disciples and these women exactly what was going to happen before it happened. Let me read it. 9, verse 22. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Let me go to Luke 18. Luke 18, verse 31 through uh, 33. Here's what it says. And he said to them, See, we're going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. Verse 32. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. On the third day, he will rise. Church, do you see how this would have been an aha moment for these ladies? It would have clicked. The light bulb would have went on. Their hearts would have been filled with joy and life and excitement as they realized that Jesus, Jesus had promised that this day would happen. And they were standing in front of an empty tomb, realizing that the promises of God have been fulfilled in their very midst. Church, city light, this is who God is. God said he would do something and he actually did it. God said something would happen and it actually happened. This is incredibly good news for us because when you see the cross and when you see the empty tomb, you have to remember these aren't just religious symbols. These are pictures of God, that he is the one who's made a promise and he is the one who's kept his promise. Our God is faithful to do what he said he will do, amen? Jesus said, I have come to seek and save the lost. And when you see the cross, you know he made good on that promise. When you see that empty tomb, he said, you will have a victorious life and I'll give you a resurrection. And you see that empty tomb and that's our victory. That's a picture of our resurrection. It's incredible what God has done. So city like what happens here is these women move from chaos and confusion to clarity as they experience and remember the promises of God And I want to tell you this matters, and it matters in my life. You know, so often when chaos and craziness happens in your life, the only thing that helps me make sense of my life is the promises of Jesus Christ. I don't need a vacation. I don't need a productive day at work, but I need to remember the promises of Jesus Christ. That's the thing that gives my heart clarity. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 12 Verse 9, one of the promises of Scripture that has helped me through that I keep coming back to over and over and over again is this Scripture. I'm going to read it for you. It says this, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I got a confession for you. Is that all right? I'm a pastor. Sometimes I don't like reading my Bible. I'm a dad, and sometimes I daydream about dropping my two kids off at a stranger's house and just moving to Mexico. That's honestly, that was yesterday. I mean, one more chicken strip hit me in the head. I about lost it. I about absolutely lost it. Eat your quesadilla. I don't like it. Ah, do it. You know, just anger, tone elevated, frustrated, just so upset. Sometimes, man, I'm a husband, and sometimes I'm passive towards my wife. I don't want to deal with conflict. Man, 
There's just stuff in my life. Anybody else get stressed out and anxious? Just look at the circumstances in my life. I don't surrender them to the Lord. I don't invite Jesus Christ to know. I just stress out over them and try to control it. And it's sin. It's sin in me. And when I see sin in me, and when you see sin in you, you have a choice. You can pretend it's not there. You act like it didn't happen. You can blame somebody else for it. You can tell yourself you'll get better, that you'll fix the problem, that you'll do better next week, or you can run to the promises of God and remember these words, my grace is sufficient for you. Come on. My grace is sufficient for you. I hope you hear that, and I hope that promise is personal to you because it's personal to me. What about Hebrews 13, 5? God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Sometimes you can be in a crowd of people and feel utterly alone. You don't need more friends. You need to know that Jesus Christ is near to you, that he's the constant. Sometimes you feel weak. And you step into situations where you need courage. The thing that you need is Joshua 1, 9. Be strong and courageous in the Lord and know that our Lord God is with you. That's the promise you need in that moment. You don't need a pep talk. You need the living God to be near to you in that moment. The promises of God help bring clarity out of confusion. They help root our feet in faith and strengthen our bones as we walk through this messy world. Amen? So church, don't drift far from the promises of Scripture. Walk in that, remember that, believe that, cherish that. These women remembered the word of Jesus Christ and it helped change everything in that moment. We got an empty tomb, a promise fulfilled. The last thing I want to look at is a response modeled. When Jesus predicts his own death, (laughs) walks out of his own tomb, you got to respond to that. You can like Jesus, you can reject Jesus, you can love Jesus, or you can Pretend that Jesus didn't exist. But when you see this claim, you got to do something with that. you got to make a decision to say, I either believe that Jesus is Lord or I don't. And in our text, we see people respond to this news that Jesus has risen from the grave in a number of different ways. But one of them, um, let me pull us into our text. One of them I want to show you. First thing that we see happening in Luke chapter 24, verse 11, is that these women, they are filled with life and joy and excitement and passion as they realize that Jesus isn't dead, he's alive. And so what do they do? They run back to the disciples who were crying and weeping and mourning and who are afraid and who are hanging out and they don't know what to do. And they tell them, Jesus isn't dead, he's actually alive. And it says in verse 11 that the disciples said, it seems like an idle tale. And they did not believe. It seemed too improbable. It seemed impossible. It seemed like a fairy tale. It didn't seem like it could actually happen. Ladies, be quiet. You don't know what you're talking about. That couldn't have actually happened. Stop talking nonsense. For some of you today, that's how you view Jesus. Maybe some of you guys here today believe at best the story of the resurrection in the empty tomb is just a message that entertains and give hope to the weak. For, for some of you, you guys believe at worst it's a story that has deceived more than 2 billion people across the world. I want to tell you that for some of you, you come to church and you listen to these sermons and you wrestle with who Jesus is, but you're never willing to say he's more than a historic figure. You feel like the story of the resurrection is but just an idle tale. And I'm telling you, some of the disciples started there, but they encountered the resurrected Jesus and Jesus changed their life. And they moved from people who saw this as an idle tale to a people who would die for that idle tale. Come on, God can do that. He's done that and he will do that. The Bible says there's one who heard this same news but responded rightly, and his name's Peter. I want to show you how he responded. Look with me at verse 12. Verse 12. But Peter rose 
and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. This Jesus runs to the tomb. He rises and he runs. You couldn't help Jesus. He heard that Jesus could be alive, and he immediately leaves the party, and he goes to check out this Jesus Christ who could be risen. He rises and he runs. Wastes no time, makes no excuses. He gets on it, gets after Jesus, and it changes his life. Let me tell you about how this story ends with Peter. Peter previously had denied Jesus three times. He was a fearful dude, afraid of being captured, beat up, and rejected. Jesus see, or Peter sees the empty tomb. He later encounters the resurrected Jesus, and Peter becomes a guy who you can't keep from talking about Jesus. I mean, everything's about Jesus with this dude. He publicly stands up in front of thousands where he was once afraid to claim Jesus before a teenage little girl. Now he's standing in front of thousands saying, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This Peter gets arrested for the way that he's preaching so hard. (laughs) These Roman officials say, hey, man, you got to stop preaching Jesus so hard in our city. And they beat him and release him. And he doesn't quit preaching and go get an easier day job, a safer day job. What does he do? He goes right back to the streets and starts preaching Jesus Christ. Peter is a picture of a man who was once a coward becoming a courageous Christ follower because he encountered the empty tomb and the resurrected Jesus Christ. Jesus will change your life like that. I look at Peter and I look at how he responded to the resurrection and I say, I want that for us, church. I want us to rise and I want us to run and I want us to do business with this person named Jesus Christ. And for some of you, that means for a long time, you've been trying to find life in a lot of other places, relationships, work, more of the wrong stuff. You've been trying to find your joy in your circumstances. You've been trying to find love on this side of eternity. You've been trying to put to rest the insecurities in your heart and none of it's worked. Some of you have run from Jesus and some of you have pretended that you don't need that Jesus. And you've never acknowledged that the real problem isn't out there, but it's in here. And you've never looked for life in the name of Jesus Christ, but today could be the day that you rise and you run to him. I'm telling you, Jesus loves you. He died so that you could be forgiven. He would accept you. And today is the day that I want to invite you. You know the truth today. You've heard that Jesus Christ is the risen Savior. And if there's that spark of faith in your heart that says, yes, 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 I need that, don't put that out. Rise and run to Jesus today. Don't play religious games. Run and get after it. For some of you guys, man, you've been been absolutely exhausted. You're, You're in the middle of a storm. You're in the middle of a trial right now, and I've been where you're at. Finances are tight. Your marriage is in a rough place. Kids have rebelled. You're stressed out. Job is uncertain. You're physically sick. Something has gone wrong in your life. And you've been trying to grind it out on your own. Push through. I can make it. It's going to get better. Just a couple more weeks. But you limped in here today and you are absolutely exhausted. You are tired and you're in a great place because Jesus Christ loves to meet people right there. He says, come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You want a promise from God? That is a beautiful promise of God. So today, would you rise and would you run and would you do business with God, the one that wants to give you rest? Would you surrender your troubles to him and help you allow him to carry you along in this season? Some of you guys are in a different place 
you limped in here today and you've got your church clothes on and you've got your church smile on, but let me just tell you where you're really at. You're being haunted by shame, guilt. You went too far, you drank too much, you pushed the boundary, you looked at the website, you did the thing you told yourself you would never do again, and you are being haunted by the thing that you're trying to hide. Man, it's, it's a horrible place to be in that place. And Jesus is saying, would you rise and would you run to King Jesus because this is who he is. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. Come on, church. There's not one thing, anything that Jesus Christ's blood on the cross can't cover. Would you hide in that? Would you stop trying to carry the full wrath of God? Jesus already died and took on that wrath. Why are you beating yourself up when Jesus was beaten for you? Jesus said there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Be in Christ Jesus. Trust that his grace is sufficient. Surrender your guilt and shame to him. He took it for you. Would you rise and would you run and would you do business with our risen Savior today, church? Let me end with this. Let me end with this. This is personal to me. The resurrection is not just something I open up a theological book and study. The resurrection is not just one more theory where I look into history and try to figure it all out. The resurrection is absolutely personal to me, church. This resurrected Savior named Jesus Christ is real. And he's changed my story and he's changed my life. This resurrected Jesus entered into my life when I was an addict. And it says in Scripture that he set the captive free. And that's not a theory. That's true in my life. He set me free. This resurrected Jesus has been a friend to me because Scripture says he's a friend to sinners. That's my Jesus. This Jesus redeemed me to a father. And Scripture says that this father is a father to the fatherless. And that's been my father. This resurrected Jesus has given me the power to forgive those who I was embittered to and enslaved to for so long. That's this Jesus. This Jesus has given me a purpose to live for bigger than myself, bigger than basketball, bigger than the next relationship. This Jesus has given me a purpose that's eternally significant and a hope that's eternal. Come on, church, is Jesus Christ personal to you? Have you experienced his resurrection power in your life? Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life, my friends. Jesus is real and Jesus has risen. Let's rise and run and do business with God today. Let me pray. Lord, I want to pause right now and I want to come to you and I want to say it's on this day that our hearts come alive and we celebrate that, God, you're not in some far and distant land. You're not buried in a tomb. Jesus Christ, you are alive. And you've whispered to us and you've spoken to us and you've changed us and you've transformed us and you've been the comfort that we need in moments of trial. You've been there when we rejoice and you've been there when we mourn. Jesus, you are real and you've rewritten our story. And for so many of us in this room, God, you are the thing that has changed our story forever. And God, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you were faithful to go to the cross. And we thank you, God, that you were faithful to raise Jesus victorious out of that grave because it gives us a hope that on the last day we will be rose from our grave. That we will spend eternity with you. That, God, you will write the next chapter of our story. And so, God, we want to pause right now. There might be people in this room who've run from you or rebelled against you or acted like they didn't need you. Oh, God, you love these people. You died for these people. And you want to personally make yourself real to these people, even in this moment. So God, if there's some in this room today that haven't bowed a knee, would you help them to bow that knee right now and give them the faith they need in the resurrected Jesus Christ? God, would you meet them right there in their seats? You know their story better than anybody else in this room. 
and you've watched them and you love them and you care for them. And so God, would you uniquely speak to them now? For the people of God in this room, God, we come to you in all different places, some excited to worship, some just going through the motions. And so God, we know that you're alive and you're all powerful and all present. And God, for all of us in this room, would you help us to do business with you in the way that we need to? Whether that need to be to confess sin and repent or that needs to be to thank you for the blessings of our life. God, whatever that is, help us in this moment rise and run to you. And oh God, you are the one, you are the one that is risen from the grave and you are the one in this moment that is worthy of our worship. So God, would we not just sing, would we not just clap? Would God, would you help our hearts come alive in a fresh way? We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.